Hello and welcome to Wild and Untamed. I am your host, Lara Raybone, and in today's episode, I have Ryan King, who on Instagram is known as Wisdom of Kings, and we are talking all things modern day masculinity. Ryan is an incredible writer on inspiring and very nuanced content in the realms of wisdom, manhood, relationships, motivation, mindset, fatherhood, leadership, and personal growth. He really offers such richness in all of his posts that for me on the receiving end as a woman, it feels really inspirational. It feels really safe and I feel like we are moving into realms of polarity again and so actually having men in leadership roles leading in modern day masculinity but with the sentiment and with elements of traditional masculinity that have gone for thousands and thousands and thousands of years with the qualities of honor, integrity, leadership, and it's so powerful. His content is so powerful. And we cover how to embody your king energy. So many women in spiritual realms are asking for, they're calling in a king. And so as men listening to this episode, we're going to speak into how to really embody that king energy and what masculine leadership actually is and what that looks like in modern day society and how to spearhead change within your own community and how to be a pillar of your community. We also explore traditional archetypes and masculine initiations that have happened throughout time and we bring in how you could actually explore or create your own initiations in modern day society. We also dive into relational dynamics with the masculine and the feminine and how they interact and how to support your masculine partner and how the masculine partner offers support to their feminine. Now, if you're listening and you don't identify with cisgendered roles, masculine and feminine, the work that I do very much addresses masculine energy and feminine energy within your internal dynamics that we all hold, no matter what your sexual preference is, no matter what gender that you identify with. So this is also applicable for your own inner masculine and your own inner feminine. But I do want to just address the fact that we are speaking very much in uh, cisgendered heterosexual relationship Um, but as I said this can also address your internal polarity within your own masculine and feminine energy within so without further ado we will dive in please like comment share if something is really resonating with you and ratings are always welcome Welcome, Ryan, to Wild and Untamed. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited for the conversation that is about to unfold and, um, yeah, just really wanting to appreciate you being here because I've had so many men reaching out. Obviously, I work a lot with the feminine and so really receiving this desire for that men have to step into this 
king energy into their masculine energy and not really knowing the channels to actually go down for that. So I just, I love that you're here and the work that you do and the offerings that you put out with your Instagram and the writings that you offer. It's so powerful and so beautiful and important, I feel, to have these masculine leaders really paving the way and activating this remembrance of like what it is to be a man. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I think that's important. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. So I, let's go right into it with what in the modern day, what is it to actually be a man and something that I really have seen and conflict that I can see in how the masculine feminine work is perceived like masculinity, femininity, it can be perceived as um, a little archaic, I think, but actually it's so nuanced and there's so much potency and power in almost returning to those more archetypal expressions of masculine and feminine to really unlock the magic and the the power within those polarities. So I'd love to hear from you, like, what is modern masculinity? What does that look like? Sure. Um, you know, I think in some ways, from a modern standpoint, um, to me, I think masculinity is more of just like a list of virtues, you know, I mean, I think it's a list of, of qualities, um, you know, things like decisiveness and courage and um, just being steady, reliable, um, you know, strength, things like that. Um, I don't, I think the, the challenge with, you know, with the challenge with those things in the modern world is that we now have a choice to be those things and those things are hard to be um but you know if you if you you know hypothetically go back 500 years you know men had to be that way if they wanted to survive you know they, they couldn't you know be unsure of themselves they you know they, if they had to go you know plant a field or hunt down an animal or defend their property or whatever like all those all those qualities you had to have them to survive you know you mm -hmm. had to just make a decision you know, you had to be steady because if you weren't, you were going to get eaten by the predator, or, you know, you, you know, you were going to get killed by the bandits or, you know, whatever the case may be. So a lot of those qualities, I think, um, weren't optional in the past, you know, like if you wanted to survive, you had to be decisive, you had to be strong, you had to have courage, um, you had to, uh, you know, keep your word, you had to follow through on what you, what you committed to, uh, because it was survival. You know, and I think I think the reason a lot of modern men struggle with that is because we don't have those external factors um, being pushed on us where we have no choice but to become those things because those are hard things to be. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when it's not required. You know, and I think so. so to me, that's the challenge um, with with doing those things in the modern day is that men deep down know that they need to have those qualities and they need to be able to do those things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, unless you intentionally, um, unless you intentionally build those things up and curate them and emphasize them in your, in your life, 
you don't really have the external factors that, that force you into that anymore. Um, and so now it's, it's more of a, a voluntary thing. And, you know, the, the thing that I try to convey in a lot of the work that I write, you know, is that you'll on paper, becoming those things, becoming a man is kind of a shit deal. Um, you know, and I, that's one of the things I plan on writing about soon is, you know, like if you take a young 24 year old man and, you know, he's got a girlfriend that he's living with and that he's, you know, being sexually active with and, you know, getting all those things that, you know, getting all of his needs met. Why, why commit, why grow up? You know, like I can, I can, I don't have to be responsible. I can have fun with my boys and go out and party or I can play video games or, you know, I don't, growing up is kind of a shitty deal, especially for a man, because it's basically just all duty and responsibility. You know, you have to sacrifice all the selfish things that every, every human being has selfish interests, you know, and selfish desires, you know, and part of being a man is, is voluntarily giving those things up and committing your life in service and sacrifice to your bride, um, to your children. Um, and there's really nothing on paper that makes that appealing, <laughs> you know, and, and, and until, until you experience it and then you get these, and then, you know, okay, this is what I was born for. You know, this, this is what lights me up. This is what makes me feel fulfilled. This is what, this is what my purpose is, is, is to sacrifice, you know, and to serve and to give, give of myself and give of my strength to, you know, a woman to my family to my purpose um but it's very hard to um really explain those things to to a young man in a way that makes it sound appealing because on mm. paper it's not it's not exciting it's not sexy it's it's it sounds terrible you know until you do it and then but the, at the same time those same men feel lost they can feel on the inside that something's missing right? you know they don't have validation on the inside that they know that they're a man they know they have what it takes and so it's just kind of this weird thing and, and I think the challenge you know in the modern world is that we have the option of not taking on those responsibilities and not taking on those duties mm. um, whereas in the past that option was taken from us you had no choice you know you, yeah. you had to find a mate and commit because you had to survive you know like um, and that's one of the challenges re with relationships in the modern day, I feel like, is that um, we don't need each other in the same way that historically mates have needed each other. Like for most of human history, you had to have, I remember at the beginning of the movie Braveheart, you know, when he was courting the woman, you know, and she said, how are you going to take care of this place? And he said, well, my sons, you know, and she said, well, what sons? She said, well, I was hoping you could help me with that. You know, like they needed to have children and they needed to have specifically, you know, he, he mentioned sons because like he needed physical labor help to build the farm and to survive, you know. And so I think that's one of the challenges with modern, modern men and modern relationships is that there's so much of it that's optional that, you know, when things get hard, you can just choose not to keep pushing through it anymore. Where, whereas in the past, like, you had that anchor of we 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 rely on each other. I can't survive without you, and you can't survive without me. Um, you know, it's division of labor. 
And I think that there's so much beauty in that is the the nourishment that you receive in those polls, in those roles. And like you said, on paper, it doesn't seem that appealing, but the nourishment that the masculine gets from the feminine, the nourishment that the feminine gets from the masculine through like protection and service, but then the radiance and the aliveness that the masculine receives through a woman who is safe and protected. There's so much gift in that. And I feel like I love what you were saying about it's a choice, right? It's a choice because we're in a candy land right now where everybody can play Peter Pan. There's so many ways that we can escape our body. We can escape our reality. We can escape our responsibilities. And this is something that I really love about what you just said and the work that you put out is it is a choice. And there's so much power in that choice to stand in such sovereignty and such devotion to being a pillar of society and to being a pillar of your, like the family and to really lead from that space. And I think that what you do so well is not only inspire that within men, but you really inspire that for me as a woman who reads your work, like you really inspire me reading that. And I know that I've got friends who have read your work as well, who absolutely devour it. And it's that actually, this is what I desire. And this is what I'm worthy of holding because there's two, two ways too, right? As women, and I can speak for myself in my early twenties, I wouldn't have held that. And I don't want to say the word expectation, but that, um, that bar, for this is what I need and this is what I desire. So that it, it's two ways, right? It's really easy for the masculine or men to to not choose that, but it's also women not making the choice to say, hey, this is what I need, this is what I desire, and this is how I need you to show up for me in this relationship, right? So it's this beautiful balance and play between the inspiration and the rising. And I really, I see it as um, an infinity symbol, right? So this like fluctuation and this dance between nourishing, supporting, inspiring, like and rising together. And I really feel like that's that king. It's almost like we've, our heart, our hearts and our instincts know what we want when we, when we see it, but we didn't have the words for it anymore because it's like that got lost somewhere along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I you do... write it or when you read it, you know, men and women both are like, oh, yes, that, that's it. That's it. That's what I've been looking for. But for so long, we've all, we've all kind of felt like this disconnect between what, what, we've, what we have been told and what we've been exposed to as far as what we're supposed to want. But then we have it and we feel empty. You know, it just it still doesn't feel right. And even though we've checked all the boxes, it something just still feels off. You know, it's like we've lost the vocabulary for a lot of these things that used to be just kind of understood. And I it, I don't know where that where that happened, but you know, I definitely think we've lost lost a lot along the way. And that's something that you just said as well about um, ticking the boxes. 
And I think in relationship, it's become something that people seek. It's like, this person has to be X, Y, Z, right? And we tick the boxes, but it's, it's empty boxes because we don't necessarily, we haven't been raised in a society that broadly speaking, and, and I know that there are anomalies and, and, you know, I'm very much speaking generally, but it's like what we think that we desire, we aren't actually in presence with how deeply nourishing it can be and how like we tick the box for the sake of ticking the box as opposed to really being present with the energy and really showing up in that energy mm-hmm. and i think that something that is really powerful in terms of like this rise of the divine feminine and the divine masculine that we're seeing like circulating and this return back into more traditional expressions of masculine and feminine um i know that in the work that i do it's this like feminine initiation and really coming into understanding and understanding all of the pieces within us that actually block (laughs) the relationship that we desire the 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 ways that we block the love that we deeply desire through the distortions and manipulations that we've learned along the way as a means to survive or you know um as a means to to get what we want but what we think we want as opposed to actually embodying the femininity that then calls a king to to rise and so I'm really curious as to what it is that inspires a man to rise in his masculinity Um, to really step up as a king. I think going back to what one, you know, one thing we touched on earlier as far as choice, you know, um, even deeper than choice, I think is just commitment, you know, like, when it comes to relationship, for instance, um, when it's when it's time for you to commit to that to that woman, um, that means there's just no going back. It's time to burn the boats and step up and become what you have to be to make that relationship work and to be the leader that that woman needs. And you know, one thing that I feel like you know our modern our modern society. It's very individualistic. You know, it's the individual that comes above everything. Um, And the reality of relationship is you're merging into one entity. You know, you you merge and and you balance each other's strengths and weaknesses and trying to retain your individuality. I think it's, I'm not saying you you have to not become an individual anymore, but the, the unit of the two of you has to supersede in priority your individuality. You know, that, that's the hierarchy of how it should be is who, you know, you become one person. Um, and so I think going into the relationship if both parties come to it with that kind of commitment, 
um, it becomes what it needs to be and both and both people sacrifice whatever parts of themselves need to be sacrificed for the sake of the union you know for the sake of what's what's best for the unit because what's best for the for the unit trickles down to being what's best for both of you um, and, and that's very that's very seldomly does anybody say that out loud but in, in reality like as far as checking the boxes like what we think we want is very seldomly what's best for us. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we gotten what we think we wanted and we weren't happy with it or we weren't satisfied with it? Um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a modern lie. Like, we don't know what we want. You know, we don't have enough experience. We can't look into the future and know what's really best for us. We, we can have an idea. Um, but really, it comes down to commitment. You know, as, as far as the king energy, um, you know, that's... You know, that comes down to, you know, when, when you think of the word king, you know, the good kings that you read back through historically, um, they looked at it as sacrifice. They looked at it as duty. They looked at what was best for others first. Um, and so to me, the fundamental aspect of, of the king energy is realizing, like I said earlier, that devoting your life in service to the people that you're that you're charged with you know being responsible for whether it's uh, and a lot of women don't like that terminology but you know i think it's important for a man even if it's just for the sake of you know kind of a paradigm in his in the way he's thinking i think it's helpful for a man to view um you know his wife or his relationship as you know, I'm responsible for this woman, you know, in, in, in similar ways to where, you know, when a woman has a child, you know, she has this innate instinct of it's my responsibility to protect and to nurture and, you know, make sure this child is safe until, you know, they're able to be, be on their own, you know, and that's kind of the inside the house, so to speak, you know, whereas the man guards the outside of the house and has a similar instinct toward his wife in terms of it's my job while she's protecting the offspring it's my job to protect her it's my responsibility to take care of her for the sake of the children you know and some women view that you know it's like oh i don't need to be protected and that it's it's not i don't mean it in terms of uh, you know a woman can't take care of herself i think it's just important for a man to step into that king energy to realize and and voluntarily take on that type of mindset of it's my responsibility to take care of her to provide for her to make sure she's safe and protected um you know physically emotionally so that she has the space to where she doesn't have to do the things that are that i'm built to do so it's not a matter of capability it's a matter of um who does it come more naturally to and you know deep down i think it comes i can't think it comes more naturally to a man to handle the masculine things, you know, um, to be singularly focused on threats, for instance, you know, while the woman is inside managing all these various things, you know, a woman can multitask like that. A man can't. We're more like animals or predators, but we're like that for a reason. We're, you know, we're looking for threats and nothing's going to distract us from that. You know, so I think there's a lot, um, I think there's a lot of things that just come more naturally. But um, yeah, as far as the answer to the king energy, um, you know, a good king sacrifices what's, what's in his best interest for the best interests of his subjects. 
Mm. You know, he, it's it's duty and responsibility. He doesn't, you know, a bad king uses his position to enrich himself, to spoil himself, to take care of himself. Um, you know, a good king lives in service to his people. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm just that my brain is going to so many different places. This is a really exciting and activating conversation. And I feel like it's so needed to really address because going back to the loop of the, the prioritization of individualistic um, living with we've taken it on ourselves to be all of the things. And I think as well, you touched upon um, like women not really liking the idea of, of being protected a lot of the time, but there is that deep desire often to, to be protected, yet there's this armor that's been built through the expectation that we men and women need to be able to do all of the things as society has spread out of um, community or, or tribal living to to more individual um, and spread out living that that I've definitely witnessed as well with, with my clients and um, in the collective this desire for women to soften and to be protected and to actually be looked after by a man, their king, yet there's this deep resistance of, I can do it all by myself. I can still do it. I want to maintain that, you know, independence. Well, here's, and it's, Here's the thing that's so, uh, forgive me for using this word, but the, the thing that's so stupid about that, okay, <laughs> is that of all the traits for women to have taken on from men, that is the worst one they could have taken on because men aren't, men don't even need to be that way. Everything men are trying to do in the in the men's space is like you don't have to do everything by yourself. You, it's okay to need help, you know. Like men can't even handle that much responsibility and that much burden. Like of all the male characteristics for women to have taken on, that's the that's the worst one because it's not true for men or women. We're not designed to not need anybody and to be able to take care of yourself. Like we're we're meant to be in community. We're not wired as human beings to be able to do everything ourselves like and there's no corollary in any practical like whether you look at it in the military like one dude doesn't go fight a fight a war by himself there's specialists that do one thing and this person does the other thing and this person does the other thing you know if you look at it in sports there's different positions like the quarterback doesn't also play linebacker you know like the person that plays the violin in a symphony in the symphony doesn't also try to play the drums like there's no corollary to this idea of being able to do everything by yourself in any practical sense it's a complete fabrication of reality there's not a there's not a real life example somebody can give me like a lone wolf starves wolves live in packs like i could go on for hours but it's such a lie for women and men you know and, and it really annoys me that women have, have pulled that one specific characteristic out of you know, out of the out of modern society, because even men don't don't need to be that way either. That's something that men fight with other men about, like bro, the lone wolf thing and the Marlboro Man idea, and like the cowboy that doesn't need anybody. And all. it's like, dude, those are those are harmful stereotypes for men to try to live up to. You know, so now seeing women take on that that specific thing is just, it just irks me because it's like that's the last thing 
you need to take away from, you know, trying to, you know, be more independent and, you know, try to be less feminine and more masculine and all that stuff. It's like, that's, that's bad for being masculine too. Yeah. And I love that you've addressed that because to your point, it's not feasible. We need each other. We need like to really surrender this idea that we need to do everything by ourselves and really allow that aspect of whether it's our ego or the psyche or whether it's the beliefs, the patterns, the conditioning to dissolve, to actually come into this space where we're prioritizing love, prioritizing the union, like you so beautifully put a little earlier about and, and how I saw it as this beautiful, um, the, the, the triangle of like the masculine, feminine, and the union. And in couples that I witness who put that love first, right? The love and the connection and that, and allow that to trickle down. Everything else naturally does fall into place. And when you're prioritizing being the most loving partner, the most loving father, mother, like friend, when you prioritize that, everybody then softens and sinks into the natural roles and the strengths that they play. But there's been such a distrust, I feel, of that in society, or we've been conditioned to not necessarily trust that we will all drop in. And when we really sink into our strengths, it opens up space for, say, the masculine to, to, to rise and to really lead when we are not trying to hold, like fill that space. Yes. Well, I mean, he can't, he can't protect you if you're busy protecting yourself, especially from him. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the hard, the hard part is that while all these things sound good in theory, you know, for it to really be practical, you know, applicable in real life, you have to also understand that we're human, you know, so there are going to be times that you rely on me to protect you, or you rely on me to take care of something or whatever, and I'm going to let you down, because I'm human. And you have to keep when I talk about commitment, that's where that comes from. So you have to, it's not just commitment to the relationship, it's commitment to, you know, if you want to bring out the king energy, and you have to commit to it might take him a while to become the king you know like a, a king doesn't know what he's doing on day one you know like there's historically kings you know that inherited the throne at 14 it took them you know five or ten years to really fully embrace their role and their responsibility and not screw up all the time you know and so i think as a woman my advice for a lot of women if they want you know to inspire that kingly energy in the man is you got to commit to inspiring that king energy in the man, even through his failures, even through the times where he doesn't act like a king. You can't, as soon as he drops the ball, you can't run and go pick it up. You know, you've got to allow him, you know, space. You've got to look at it from the long-term perspective of like, it's going to take him time to become a king, especially for a young man. If he didn't have a role model, if he didn't have a father, one of the best things you can do to inspire the king is not to rub his nose in his failures and say, I can't trust you because he, you couldn't trust him that one time. Just because he, you couldn't trust him in that one instance doesn't mean you can't trust him. It just means he made a mistake. Yeah. Um, 
and the best thing you can do is just to be just to be clear without judgment and say hey in this instance i i don't feel safe or i don't feel protected or i don't feel like you had my needs in mind because this happened you know and i just want to communicate that to you that in the future i would you know if you would have done this it would have made me feel more protected but do that in a way that's not judgmental or passive aggressive or whatever just be very direct you know and that's that's been the things that have been most helpful for me with my wife is when she's just been very direct with me about certain things and it's like oh okay i didn't i didn't know that my my you know lack of response or you know my not not taking that on was making you feel that way you know mm -hmm. if i would have known it was making you feel like you weren't safe or you you know you couldn't rely on me or you couldn't depend on me then I wouldn't have handled it that way. So now that you've pointed it out next time, I'll know to handle it differently, you know, because, you know, men don't just know we've got to learn this stuff. Yeah. Um, and so when it comes to, you know, inspiring that King energy, I think the main thing I would tell women is, is to just be really patient. You know, I mean, it, it's going to take him time to learn those things and he will become that if you keep, letting him you know but if as soon as he lets you down you you go and protect yourself again well now he, he's not gonna have a chance to protect you next time and make up for it and, and evolve mm. you know so you have to you have to be willing to continue being vulnerable you know as long as you see him working toward it as long as you see him trying um and and a lot of times just saying you know here's what i see in you you know here's what i here's what i see you being that you know, you're not being right now, but I believe that you can be, you know, um, as opposed to chastising. Yeah. And that is something that I feel is so important is with anybody, right, is reminding them of the power that lies within them. Because like you said so beautifully, we're all human. We all fuck up, right? We all make yeah. mistakes. Like it's natural. And you can also still hold your beloved. You can still hold your partner and communicate directly with this is like, this was painful. This is why. And this, this is how I would love to feel. And this is an invitation to rise rather than swooping in and, and building the armor up and, and saying, you didn't do this and and now i need to protect myself and i think that that comes from that thread that we touched upon of the expectation that we have to be all the things for all for ourselves rather than inviting and allowing for other people to actually hold the space and step up for where we do need support where we do need that skill set or that person to show up in a way that we aren't necessarily able to for whatever reason right and i'm really wanting to invite the conversation around initiations because we've spoken into like what it is to be a man and like it being a choice and really stepping into that like devotional space men and women right if both partners aren't willing to devote to 
the love and the relationship, then there can be an imbalance. If, if there's that desire to protect, but you're not willing to be protected, it then becomes very difficult to, to navigate. So it does, I feel, take both partners to, to and get clear on like where we're heading, like what the direction is and, and what devotion to love and union looks like and then allowing it to unfold. But something that I really adore and, and going back to like ancient times, ancient practices where men and women would be initiated into like, I teach the feminine arts, right? So it's the initiation of the feminine and how to really soften in your embodiment and how to um, to open and to be vulnerable and to be in your expression and to be in your radiance, which naturally feeds the masculine. Um, and so I'm really curious as to what initiations look like, like what could anybody listening, any, any male males listening, like what would an initiation into the masculine look like or rites of passage? Is what I'm getting at. Like, what can people listening practically explore to to step into that that energy? Yeah, um, that's the really challenging thing, you know. And there's a lot of men in the space that are that are coming up with these rites of passage thing, you know, because it's difficult to do on your own. You know, if if, if you look at um, historically, you know, the rites of passage couple of examples that I like are, um, you know, like knighthood. Um, you know, first you became a squire, you know, before you ever became a knight, you became a squire and you served and you served a knight for, you know, years, maybe a decade. Um, and you learned, you know, so it's, it's more than just a rite of passage. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, ingredients to that where, you know, you become the squire and then as the squire, part of being the squire is being around the night and seeing what's expected of a night, um, what qualities he has, um, you know, learning, learning the skills, learning the manners, learning the codes, things like that. So you learn the information and then at some point you're given an opportunity to say, okay, now can you take what you've learned and do it on your own? You know, can you take these skills and can you go accomplish a quest? Um, and go challenge yourself and then when you overcome that quest you know they typically had like a vigil where 20 you know they had to stay in the church for 24 hours meditating on what it was to, to be a knight and then after they've gone through all those that that kind of formula um, then the rite of passage is you know they were welcomed into manhood by their other knights and said you know we used to see you as a squire now we see you as a knight and so there's this sense on the inside of that young man that, you know, he knows the skills now he's been taught those things. He's now used those skills to accomplish something. And then he's been recognized by his, by his, by the men around him as no longer being a boy, but being a peer, you know? So I think a lot of men, modern day men have, uh, I, I hear a lot of feedback from men about having the imposter syndrome. You know, they, they know they're a man, but they don't feel like it on the inside. They feel like it's fake. And I think most of that just comes from the lack of men outside of them 
that have confirmed that for them and said, we, we see you as an equal, you know, and that's not just in warrior classes, you know, we used to have apprentices for like being a blacksmith, you go apprentice with a blacksmith, he would teach you the skills. And it's, so it's a very similar pattern um, with, with, you know, and, and these, these are things that have held true across cultures that never interacted with each other. They, they had things like this in South America, while similar rites of passage and rituals were going on in, you know, Eastern Europe. And, you know, I mean, it, there was, there was, there were commonalities between, you know, all those things. And it starts with, you know, kind of that formula of being taken under the wing of, a, of another man, um, taught certain skills and expectations and, you know, what's, you know, what's expected to be part of either the warrior class or, the merchant class or, you know, the Smith class or whatever. And then you, at some point you're recognized as an equal by those grown men. Um, and so that's, that's really, I feel like where a lot of the problems come from in modern masculinity is not having like a codified um, version of that where um, then that go, kind of goes back to not doing it on your own. Um, you know, having having men um, around you that that teach you and guide you, and then officially welcome you as part of the brotherhood. Um, you know, so it it is very challenging to go through those rites of passage, um, and manufacture them on your own. You know, I think um, I think you can learn from those formulas and take them on yourself. Um, you know humble yourself if you're trying to become a good salesman, you know, humble yourself and go work for somebody that's a good salesman and say, Hey, will you teach me how to do this? And, you know, even if it means, you know, you work for free for a year or two, just to learn the skill set. say, you know, teach me what you're doing. How did you do this? Why did you do that? Like find somebody to mentor you. Um, and then start testing your skills under his tutelage. Um, you know, and then at some point he said, you go close your own sale and you do it on your own. And then that person says, you know, hey, you know what you're doing now. You're ready to be without me. Um, you know, I think you can do stuff like that. You just have to realize what that formula is and then go seek out situations where you go learn something you don't know how to do. Or um, and, and then you have and then you I think the key is having someone around you. So like if, if I was a young husband. I would go find a marriage that I admired and say, and go talk to the husband. You know, if I, if I was a 25 year old man that just got married, I'd go find a 40 year old man and say, Hey, guide me in this. Will, will you be my mentor for my marriage? And when something goes wrong, can I come talk to you and have him guide you and you learn those skills? Um, but that requires vulnerability. That requires admitting that you don't know everything on your own. It requires finding someone that you have to have the courage to seek them out and say, I need help. Um, and then it requires the humility to do what that person tells you to do, because they're not going to mentor you for very long if you don't listen to the advice that they're giving you, if you think you know better. Um, so I think we used to have those rites of passage embedded in culture naturally. And I think the only, the only way we have, you know, the only alternative we have now is you have to recognize your need for those things and go kind of create your own in a sense which is almost like a, an extension of the quest is to actually, because the world is so broad and is so 
just expensive, we actually have a gift right now in terms of social media or the internet where you can really go and seek tutorage from the people who you may not have who, who you may not have had access to when the world wasn't as expensive. So you really have this extension of the quest as to really seeking out, okay, like who is the embodiment of the the perfect marriage, right? And I know like quote unquote there is no perfect marriage, but um just seeking people that you're inspired by. And it's it is a candy land in terms of what is out there. But I feel like the piece that really landed as you were speaking and sharing is the humility and the willingness to to fail and to to learn from those failures, which really beautifully ties into what we were saying within marriage and relationship and and being willing to actually not have to be right all the time, to actually have that humility to say, oh, okay, thank you for reflecting that to me because now I have more knowledge around whatever the subject matter is because I failed. And you have lived experience in how not to do something, which is something I think that, again, with this individualistic society that we've we've been raised in, is this terror, like this fear of failure, right? And I know that you'd said at the beginning when it was like nights or when we were in like tribes or cavemen, the stakes were higher with failure so there was a lot less margin for error for failure but i feel like this is something a thread that we've pulled through well, one of the things in those those older cultures you know is that you couldn't hide your failure if you're a squire for a night you're with each other 24 7. you know i think i think the biggest reason why we're afraid of failure now is because we have the option of hiding it and pretending like we didn't and for most of human history we didn't all have our own houses where we could go pretend like we were something that we weren't. Like we lived in a village with other people. So when we were fighting with our spouse, the whole village could hear us yelling at each other. So there weren't any, there wasn't any pretension. You know, there was no pretending, you know, so that, that I think is just a function of modern society where we have the option of putting on this facade, you know, whereas that wasn't really an option for most of human history. You know, it's like, if you're a blacksmith, if you're an apprentice blacksmith, like you're going to screw up. It's like try being a try, try playing high school basketball and not letting the coach see you fail. Like, give me a break. The coach is going to be, you know, correcting your failure all day long, you know? So I think just the only reason we have that in modern society is because we can pretend like, you know, we have these spaces where we can go hide and hide our failures that, have never been part of humanity, you know, and then, you know, as far as humility, you know, I mentioned earlier about, you know, uh, the relationship stuff is easy when you prioritize the union over the individual. Um, Humility is easy when you prioritize the goal over your pride. Humility just happens. If you care, if you care so much about becoming a blacksmith or a knight or whatever, like, or let's say you care so much about becoming, you know, a famous musician. And that means you have to go 
screw up in front of, you know, the best guitar player in the world, you're not going to hesitate for a second. If that person's going to teach you how to be, how to be a better guitar player, because you, you want so badly to be the best guitar player you can be. It doesn't even come across as humility. Like, Oh, I gotta, I, oh, I gotta humble myself. Like you can't wait to go humble yourself and learn from the best. Are you kidding me? But to me, it's easy to be humble when you care more about the goal than you do about your pride. Just like it's easy to have a good relationship when you care more about the unit than you do about the individual. You know, it takes care of itself when you, when you want something badly enough. You know, you don't even, it never even comes across as like, I have to humble myself. It's just like, it, it's something that you seek out eagerly because it's like, this is a chance for me to learn. This is a chance for me to get closer to being who I want to be. Because this person that knows that that's already there, you know, there's this person that is already in the place that I'm trying to get to. He's going to give me a shortcut to getting there. Sign me up. You know, the idea of you know, having to humble yourself doesn't even come into play. You're, e you're eager to humble yourself. I think the challenge is people don't have a clear enough vision for what they want and they don't want it badly enough because if they did, they wouldn't hesitate to humble themselves. Yeah. And that's so, so powerful in times of just that devotion to that, which is higher, that devotion to not the instant gratification that we're so saturated with, like getting really clear on, he'd said at the beginning, the values. And even if they're values that you don't necessarily, if you're listening and you don't feel that you necessarily hold, but it really inspires you, or maybe it, maybe pieces of this conversation have triggered the fuck out of you. And you're like, oh, like, and you've got your backup. Great. Like take that as an invitation to get really clear on what do you value? Like, what is that piece that you desire to devote to that is higher than yourself, that is outside of your pride, that is outside of your ego, that may actually offer you more fulfillment than the way that you're living right now. And to your point, when we live in this society where it's so easy to hide these pieces, that's where the imposter syndrome comes because the more layers we pile down like within ourselves, the more pieces of ourselves that we try to hide, the more disconnected we feel from our soul, from ourself. And that's where we feel empty. Even if you're living in a life that, you know, others would dream of, it's empty because there's this deep disconnect from self. And so really inviting anybody who's listening to get really clear on the values that you desire to hold and take it from take it from the ancient like i adore like ancient culture and understanding and how pieces work and move together and play in the archetypes of the masculine the king the squire the the knight like what do those look like to you if you project into okay like how do i perceive the king how do i perceive the knight and the the values and the um yeah the values that they hold same with women like 
archetypal like what does the mother how does the mother express how does the maiden express the crone like we get to play in these realms and get really clear on the embodiment of those pieces and then like you'd said seek somebody who embodies them seek somebody to to guide you and to humble you in and call you out and to be really really fucking honest because we can't keep dancing around these pieces and expect to be showing up in our highest when we're so willing to like try and sneak and avoid and like contort ourselves around not actually firstly being honest with with self Mm -hmm. yeah and i one of the image the imagery that i like to think of you know and and this kind of threads back through like um individualism and you know being independent and all those things is you know, I like to think of it as like rungs on a ladder, you know, is that nobody's really ready to be on their own until they're, you know, until they're like 80 and you're at the top, you know, like all of us need ideally, and this is hard to do in the modern age. I mean, but ideally we all have somebody who's a rung above us on the ladder that can help us reach the next step. And we have someone we're teaching below us. That's a, that's a rung lower on the ladder. That, can, that we can help teach them the next step. And the idea is that, you know, that there's a chain of people that are constantly moving up. And then, it, you know, as someone passes away, you know, you're now the patriarch of that ladder that you're in control of, you know, like you're the only one left and you've learned everything that you can learn. And now it's your job to pass that down. And then when you pass away, there's somebody. So it's almost like just like an escalator that just kind of, and then once somebody dies, it starts back at the beginning and you kind of just go back through this pattern um, you know, in an ideal world, that's how it would work, you know, is that you have somebody above you and you have somebody below you and, you know, the person above you has somebody above them and you're all holding each other accountable and preparing that and preparing each other for the next step, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm 38. So I've got, uh, two boys that are 11 and 13. So, you know, I can talk to a, a younger dad that has an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, Right. Um, I can talk to, you know, a a newly married man that doesn't have kids yet. Like I can speak to those things. I don't know what it's like when my kids leave the house. I haven't gone through that before. Right. And so I need someone above me that I trust that's been through that, that can, that if I have questions, if I run into something that, that I can go to for the parts that I haven't experienced yet, that I haven't done yet, that I haven't um, learned from yet. Um, you know, I haven't had a kid get married, you know? And so like, as much as I talk about certain things that I know, you know, I spend most of my time talking about things that I know, but there's still a whole lot of things that I don't know that I haven't experienced with that are just theory. Um, and ideally we have people above us and that's supposed to be our fathers or our uncles or our older brothers or, you know, whoever, but we don't all have those things. Um, but in a, in a perfect scenario, that's, that's how it should work is kind of this, the imagery of that ladder where there's just, there's rungs, you know, and you have, you're kind of all working through that. And there's somebody above you that's got a little bit more experience than you. And you're also mentoring someone behind you. Uh, I think both of those things are important. Having somebody to be mentored by and having, having someone that you're being, that you're actively being a mentor for. And I think that that adds to and I I hesitate to use this word slightly but like 
to the, the sensation of purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're receiving and you're giving and you're that portal for what is alive right now in the present and you're embodying, like there's no space in that for imposter syndrome because you're open to learning and you're passing down like what it is that you have learned. And so you're very much then anchored in the present moment in what you have embodied. And by sharing the lessons and the trials and the tribulations, just like if you were in when you pass these these nuggets of information down in your tutorage of the the squire right it's that passing down of knowledge through your lived experience that actually really supports in feeling that purpose and then being open to being the best that you can be in every moment while also holding compassion for the moments that you do fuck up the moments that you do fail and that being okay and not giving yourself such a hard time about that just taking it as a lesson okay and now i know what not to do and that's this as you were speaking i was just feeling so much richness and fulfillment in in that and it sounds relatively simple yet so many people aren't seeking that or doing that. Oh, and I mean, for me, you know, especially since I started writing, and so I've only I've only been writing like in the public sphere, doing a lot of a lot of this stuff since January, you know. Um, and my wife will tell you, like, I've become a much better husband and a much better father since I started writing about it. You know, there's something about you know having to teach it to someone else that. You know, I might have done a lot of those things sometimes before, but until I wrote about it, I never really, really like understood it at a practical level. I was just kind of reacting in instinct. And so sometimes I would react the right way and sometimes I would react the wrong way because I hadn't really um, codified, you know, certain certain things that I valued until I wrote about it. And then all of a sudden, now that I write about it, it's like, man, I don't want to be a hypocrite. And so it, it, it helps me be more accountable too. And I think the same, you don't have to necessarily write, but just mentoring someone else kind of gives you this accountability to, to the person you're mentoring. Like, I don't want to let them down. You know, I told them to be this way and I'm not behaving this way. So it kind of gives you this, this external accountability um, to someone that, you know, you know, looks up to you. And I think that's been really, that's been really helpful for me as I started writing. Um, and I think it would be really helpful for a lot of men, you know, and, and maybe women too. You know, I don't speak in, I don't speak to women a lot just because I'm not a woman. So I don't really know. I don't know how much, how much this stuff kind of overlaps, but I know as a man, um, I think it would be good to have not only a mentor, but someone you're mentoring. Um, because I think it kind of gives you this, uh, this, you know, it, it almost elevates your level of, you know, talking about the king energy. It's like, a, I feel like that's growing. That's how you can kind of foster that king energy is by having someone you're mentoring and realizing you're responding, you're in a lot of ways responsible for setting a good example for them and for giving them good advice, you know, so you have to really think through what you're saying um, and try to live those things out. And I think that something that I hear a lot in in my sphere with the masculine feminine polarity is that the masculine is driven by purpose and the feminine is driven by love like masculine is driven by freedom and 
the devotion to purpose. And I love that you just shared that your wife had had reflected back to you that you're like a much better husband and like father since you've stepped into deeper purpose, right? Deeper purpose with sharing, mentoring others Mm -hmm. and inviting you to stand in that integrity. And if you think about all of the archetypes and, and the examples, like a king has purpose, right? He's, he's leading his kingdom. And so really, if anybody is listening and, and you're really curious, my invitation to you would be like, okay, what, what do you desire for your purpose? Like what purpose? And it could be protecting a family, right? That could be your sole purpose or it could be part of your responsibility and the and the weight that you hold and as you were speaking as well and sharing like the more that we share our purpose and the more that we receive tutorage or guidance on leaving leading and living in that we hold more weight and we build strength through the weight that we we lift and we hold like physical weightlifting, right? So if you're not calling yourself into deeper embodiment and deeper to, to a person holding the weight of that and the responsibility that comes with that, then of course you're not going to feel fulfilled or you're going to feel this imposter syndrome or lost or not necessarily know because there's not that clarity around what do I stand for? Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, to just add on that, I think that's a really good point. You know, I think, um, especially, you know, in the modern world, you know, I think we all on some level, um, you know, with everything that's gone on in the past few years and all the upheaval and division and, and, you know, every just war and famine and disease and violence and, you know, all the, just all that stuff. I mean, I think now more than ever, you know, one of the key, one of the things that I am, that I emphasize and I'm really trying to activate in other men is not just to take responsibility, but to go on, go and take on as much responsibility as you can bear right now, you know, beyond just, your own family like if you've got your own family taken care of and, and, you, and even I'm not, i don't mean completely taken care of i mean if you're if you're at a point where you're coasting it's time for you to go take on more responsibility it's time for you to go you know mentor a, a foster child it's time for you to maybe look at fostering a kid or coaching a baseball team or do do something to contribute to all the fa- all, all the kids out there that don't have fathers you know, because we need more. And so I, that's the challenge that I lay on myself and I try to embody that and I try to live that. Um, and that's the, and that's what we need is, is we need the reality of the world right now is that, you know, the, the U S where I live in, in specifically the Western world, you know, the United States leads the world in, in fatherlessness in single in single parent homes. Um, whether that's fair or not, whether that's our job or not, to go raise somebody else's kids. If we want the world to improve, if we want to pull back from where we're at, then we have no choice but to go take on that responsibility voluntarily 
and take on as much responsibility as you can possibly bear. And then as soon as you're good at bearing it, go take on more. Um, because it doesn't just give you purpose and it doesn't just light you up, but that is what men need to be doing. And that will, that will keep us alive. You know, we need purpose. We need a battle to fight. Um, and that's king energy is taking on as much responsibility as you can possibly bear for the benefit of something bigger than yourself, for the benefit of your subjects, for the benefit of your country. Um, you know, and so that to me, I get a little bit discouraged sometimes because it's all I can do to just get a man to take responsibility for himself, much less go take on responsibility for, you know, as much as you can possibly handle because the world needs it and, and you will rise to the occasion. You know, just like if you keep lifting a certain amount of weight, your muscles will adapt. But the only way they're going to adapt is if you push yourself past the point you think you can handle it. I love that as you were speaking, like I got chills and I actually got really emotional <laughs> listening to that because I just think it's so, so beautiful and so needed, so needed. And yeah, like I'm feeling all of the emotions with that, like it just feeling into the, feeling into the potentiality of like, if people really can step into that, like, what can I carry? What can I bear? Like, how can I support more deeply if, and, and this, like going into a, a, a war analogy or like a basketball team or a football team or whatever, like if somebody else is like having a bad game, you don't just like abandon them. Like you take on more responsibility in the game and you show up more to support your team. And yeah. so like, just really, really Great. feeling that. Really Thank you. And think about how often when we see those things happen and it usually only happens in sports and in movies, you know, we don't in history, you know, we have historical examples, but, how often did, are those the moments that light us up, that speak to our souls? You know, in movies, they give us chills when somebody steps up and, you know, takes on the responsibility or fills in for the guy that got hurt or whatever. Like, we're wired for that. That's what our souls are missing. That's why we feel empty, because we want something bigger to fight for. And what I'm trying to just point out is like, guys, we're, we're in that right now. This is the thing to fight for. It's time whether you feel ready or not, it's time to step up and take on as much as you can take on to try to pull us back from the brink that we're, that we're in as a society. Um, there's so much pain and there's so much, you know, trauma and people hurting and like, it's got to be more than just like, Oh, I'm going to heal myself. Like, yeah, heal yourself, but you, we need it done in six months because there's a thousand other people out there that are hurting, they aren't even trying to heal themselves themselves yet. And they need you too, you know, and you can either look at that as that's not my responsibility, or you can look at that as those are the characters and the stories and movies and in history and in sports that inspire us. When we see that, we're like, that's what I want. I want a battle to fight. I want a mission to go accomplish. Um, we're living in a moment like that where we have that opportunity. And we're, you know, for a lot of us, we're pissing it away, feeling sorry for ourselves or being angry or being bitter or sitting in unhealed trauma because it's somebody else's fault or just being numb and 
playing video games and zoning out or, you know, all these different things. And it's like everything you've ever wanted, everything that your heart has been calling for about a bigger purpose and a battle to fight is we have it right now. We're living in that moment. This is your chance to step up and do something about it. Um, and that's what I'm trying to activate. And as many people as will listen. Yeah. And just to really consecrate that, it's so much more simple than we think it is. Yeah. To your point, like we think we have to go and do these big gestures and live these like big things. No, it comes back to the simplicity of like, who are you day to day and how are you showing up? Mm-hmm. And how can you support those around you and actually invite more of that community living and, and that expansion of responsibility and that bearing of weight to really stand as a really solid pillar for society because like you just so beautifully put like that's how we change that's how we shift by everybody doing their bit to yeah, serve exactly if you yeah, it's, it's like going you know it's like going viral you know it, like it, if, if 20 people listen to this and take action on this and they serve five people around them you know, that's a hundred. I mean, if each one of those five become that pillar for four or five people around them, you know, now that's, you know, I'm not good at math, whatever the numbers are, but it wouldn't take long. You know, it wouldn't take long for this to spread if everybody just stood up and said, you know, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm not ready, but I'm going to go take on as much responsibility as I can possibly handle. And even if that's small, even if just, just start. And as you adapt, just like you use the analogy of, you know, lifting weights, you know, as your muscles adapt, you'll be able to handle more, go grab more, every chance you get, go take more responsibility and you're going to feel more alive, you know, and that's, that's the paradox of the, the selfishness that we have, you know, we're looking for our own purpose and we, and the more we do for ourselves, the less fulfilled we feel, you know, that's that King energy is to stop thinking about yourself. You'll be fine and you'll feel great. If you just go take care of other people and you go take on as much responsibility as you can, you go serve somebody else, you won't be worried about yourself anymore. Just like in relationship, you know, like if you serve your spouse to the best of your ability and you put their needs first, you're not always going to have that reciprocated because they're human and people are selfish. But by and large, it's the, it's the law of reciprocity. Like people are more often than not going to respond and return whatever and reciprocate whatever you give them you know so the less you worry about yourself and the more you invest fully into that other person the more likely it is that they're going to return that back to you you know whereas if you're thinking about yourself the whole time the more likely they're going to think about themselves you have to choose which cycle it's going to be because it's going to be one or the other yeah and then that ties so beautifully to the beginning of our conversation was choice. The simplicity of choice and that awareness in the present moment of what am I choosing right now? Who am I choosing yeah. to be? And it's, it starts there. And, and, that's, and to me, I think the distinction there is choice versus reaction. Are you going to just react to what's done to you? Or are you going, are you only going to be a good person when someone's good to you? Are you only going to stay true to your values when someone has, when someone is honoring those values to you? Or are you going to choose like, this is the kind of partner I'm going to be to my spouse because I have to answer to myself. 
regardless of how they treat me, I'm going to be like this, you know, regardless of it, you know, I'm going to go take on as much responsibility as I can, regardless of if I get, if I get anything out of it, or if it's immediately beneficial, it's not about how other people read it. So to me, the important distinction is the distinction between reacting and choice. You know, are you, are you going to be a good partner or a good spouse when they're good to you? Well, anybody can do that. That doesn't make you special. That's literally what everyone on the planet would do. You know, it's what you choose to be in the moments where, where it's not easy and they don't deserve it and it's not reciprocated in that moment. Are you still going to stick to being who you've chosen to be? Yeah. Because those yeah. are the hardest times. You know, that's, that's when the rubber really meets the road. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is a beautiful, like, mic drop. <laughs> a little, a beautiful mic drop to to complete this beautiful, expansive conversation. And I'm just so grateful that this unfolded and that we managed to make this happen. Yeah, where can people find you? Where can people find your work and get more of this? wisdom and and leadership and and seek your guidance uh right now I'm, I'm just on instagram i've just like i said i've just gotten started in january and so i'm just learning that platform and um so for for the time being i'm, I'm on instagram and it, it's uh, at the wisdom of kings okay beautiful and i will put all of the, the links and all of the things in the show notes but i just want to invite is there any one little piece of parting wisdom that you desire to to drop if you could put it into a sentence there have been so many wisdom drops throughout this but if there was one more thing that you desire to bring to anybody listening what would it be i don't know if i have one off the top of my head my mind is so focused on the stuff we've already talked about finding finding another one It'd probably be hard, but um, I think the one that would come back to me that just kind of jumped out during our conversation is just go take on as much responsibility as you can and just make mm-hmm. those make those choices to to choose, you know, serving others and and just trust that it'll get that you'll get taken care of in that process. You don't have to worry about yourself as much as you think you do. Yeah. And I love that you've just really anchored that in because it was really, really powerful, really powerful. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And guys, go check out Ryan's page, go and devour all of his posts. He's amazing. And I look forward to hearing from any of you if you have any feedback on the episode. If you want to send DMs, ask questions, we're here for it. Um, Yeah, we love to hear from you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. This has been Wild and Untamed, and I am your host, Lara Raven. If you loved today's episode, if you had all of the ahas from all of the mic drops, and it really resonated with a part of your soul, 
please do rate the episode, listen to more of the Wild and Untamed library. Um, it really helps us out. And like I said, it is such a joy to hear from you. If you have anything that you feel to share with either myself or with Ryan, then you can find all of our links to get a hold of us and be in contact at the show notes. And I look forward to dropping in with you next time on Wild and Untamed.